Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, outstanding. With great warranties, great pre-owned inventory. With the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee, they go over every vehicle. And a terrific service department that backs it up from routine maintenance all the way to the difficult. They handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. When, because kids come first, we always feel that every step of the way. We have Wednesdays with Neil, and we welcome in the outstanding Neil Kulong, dedicated to us and to his family. Yeah, you know, it's good to it's good to expand our our calendar a little bit. You know, yeah. it's uh, it, the the local school district doesn't agree, but uh, that's fine. I. Uh, I was told our setup would be a little bit different than it was, so I apologize. We had to push this back a day. Uh, perfectly happy with how it turned out. So let's. Uh, it also delayed twenty four hours. You having to talk about the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> when you turned to Mason Rudolph in the end, and I say this with all due respect to him, what does that tell us? It tells us how bad the the coaching staff felt about Mitch Trubisky's performance on Saturday, and it's a it's a rare opportunity to see that what we saw really did match what the coaching staff saw. Um, it, it, I don't think they even took a whole lot of time to decide that. The fact that they yanked Trubisky from the game. Um, to me, my immediate thought was this is for now, and it's for next week in case. Pickett can't play. Now, let's put an asterisk by that. Uh, we don't know yet, but the fact that they are going to go through every possible machination there is to get Kenny Pickett on the field on Saturday suggests to you the, the level of faith that they have in Mason Rudolph and certainly in, in Mitch Trubisky. And in my opinion, uh, over time, up to and including Saturday, it's a well-earned opinion because, yeah. wow, that was, I, I you know, to, to put it mildly, you can't win with quarterback play like that at the, at the NFL level. You just can't. That was a career-killing game for Mitch Trubisky. That was really, really bad. Um, a, a very unfortunate time uh, for the Steelers and a, a game they set up uh, for him very well. You know, they, they came off. Uh, you know, right out of the gate, they look pretty good. They, they did a few things. They get the big special teams uh, uh, play. They're up 13 nothing. They're built to win those games. And not only did they lose the game, they didn't compete from that moment on 
and it, it brings up a, a slew of issues, uh, not least of all uh, what they're going to do at quarterback because it looks like death by gunshot, stabbing, or electrocution right now between the mm-hmm. three of them, and I'm, I'm not really sure um, what they're going to be able to do about it for the remainder of the season. Quarterbacks have to help themselves, but they also along the way need help. Uh, we've already seen the effort in the Cincinnati game from Deontay Johnson. We are now seeing the effort from George Pickens on the other side. What is your comment on the lack of a professional effort by those guys? I like to think that my comment will be a bit more professional than than Pickens was. Um, As if the, the play itself wasn't bad enough. Uh, the, the full disclosure in front of the media is the reason that he didn't uh, even attempt to block the receiver. It's not like he let him by. He didn't even move. Uh, was because he was worried about getting rolled up on uh, like Tank Dell did. I, I, <laughs> I'm i honestly not sure if he could have said anything worse in that moment. It, it, you know, yep. The bottom line for me is, like, look, you're a football player, Okay there are ways to avoid things like that and there are the unfortunate injuries like you know what Tank Dell suffered unfortunately a great player uh, a lot of fun to watch this season you can't not do your job because you're worried about something that's happening eight yards away from you on the field and I I really shouldn't have to it's amazing to me that we're even having this conversation that's how disappointing that was in my mind Um, he's young he clearly has demonstrated both at Georgia and now within within the, the Steelers organization, he's not very mature. I accepted those things as as an observer, saying like you know these are kind of the fleas that come with the dog. You have to work these things out. They have to learn how to be professional. But if he is that far off base, honestly, I'm I'm looking for trade partners this offseason. I, I I don't want somebody. I said the same thing about Deontay Johnson. I'm not against that either. Um, you can't win with people like that. And the reason I said what I said about Johnson after the, the Cincinnati game was because that kind of thing is is contagious. When you've got a young, already immature receiver who's understandably, if not rightfully, uh, upset with the direction of the offense, they're going to start doing the same thing. And that, that's what you're seeing. You saw in, in two different games, one was a win, one was a loss, but you saw two pivotal offensive players on the Steelers quit on their team. Yeah, I can't tell you, Steve, how many times I've seen a Steelers player do that once, let alone two different players in the same season. And to me, it, it, something has to be done about that. If it can't be done in season, and I understand this is what fans want, why don't you just bench him, why don't you just run him, all these other kinds of, you know, I, I'm sorry, but high school level tactics – to, to motivate somebody if if they can't show up as professionals and do their jobs they don't need to be on on the team you know at the same time they really don't have anybody else no team would be able to lose two receivers for disciplinary issues um, while they're still competing kind of for for a playoff spot and have it end well for anybody you know you just you're not going to be able to do that but that does not mean uh, they're not going to look to, to make a move uh, following the season. And it's absolutely 100% justified. If they don't do it, 
it's not because they didn't want to, in my opinion. It's because they, they're not going to get back the return that they feel they'll need, or it's not enough to, to overcome what they feel they can do with the player. But what I, that, that was embarrassing. That was a disgrace. I, I honestly, you know, I, I don't like dipping into hyperbole and, and, you know, trying to put all these probably overstated emotions into something, but it, it's, it's a proud standing organization. It's maybe the most recognizable brand uh, as far as the NFL goes in the world. That's humiliating I mean, to yeah. them. You, you can't have that. You just can't. And, and for him to justify it the way he did, he had the opportunity to apologize or, or whatever, tap dance around it. For him to suggest it's because uh, he feels like he, he could get hurt. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. then, then you don't need to be playing football. I don't know what to tell you. This is not a, a pain-free sport. It's not a risk-free game. You're, you're not able to have those kinds of thoughts and actions and, and play this game successfully. And if you're not going to do that, you shouldn't be here. I mean, do you think for a second that Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Mike Wagner, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Rocky Blyer, Frank O'Harris, do you think they ever quit on a play or a game? Ever? I honestly <laughs> feel like Jack Lambert would have gone after Pickens himself yes. if he was on the other team Agreed. doing that. Because you're in, you're dragging the quality of the game down. I haven't seen high school players do that kind of thing. You know, I, I'm I'm going back in my mind. I was joking with some friends that I remember. Uh, I, I not the year exactly, but I, Lawrence Timmons was known for this for whatever reason. He just had a very nervous stomach and he threw up a lot after right, yeah. chugging some water, Gatorade on the sideline. Timmons threw up in the middle of plays and continued playing. You know, there's just no excuse for it. There's absolutely no excuse for it. It's not even like, you know, I I understand if if you're tired, you're in a two-minute drill, you know what the play is going to be. You get off the line, you kind of get in the guy's way. You're not looking to to drive him through the stadium or anything. I I understand that. I'm not saying it needs to be that level of effort. But you're not even putting yourself in between the tackler and the ball carrier to a point where that guy was able to deliver – a, a direction-altering hit on the running back that very well could have prevented a touchdown. Yeah. I don't know how more plainly it can be than that. And for him to have the excuse that he had, I, I've got to ask Brisman Jackson, the wide receivers coach, did, did you guys not discuss this in film? Was it not made abundantly clear to him that that's not acceptable? Mike Tomlin, did, did you weigh in on this? It, it's, it's that bad in my mind. It's, it's an egregious disrespect to... Uh, 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 Pickens' teammates to his coaches to the game itself, and something like that has to be addressed. And in, in, I don't know you can do it any way other than harsh, but it, it needs to be done. And there, I I don't know what the plan is, but it, it we're going to be talking about this for a long time as far as the history of the game goes, the history of the Steelers goes, because I I have not seen anything like that from a player. I mean, it's one thing if it happens once, but this has now happened twice. With different guys. See, that's the issue. And let's remember, too, and then I'm not going to like you know, be one of those that jumps on the whatever the Mike Tomlin, you know, anti-Mike Tomlin bandwagon here. But remember, Dan Rooney hired Mike Tomlin, not Art Rooney, not Art the second. Yeah, and we've talked about that specifically. Um, the, the game itself has changed tremendously 
in the time since Mike Tomlin got hired. And this is not a get rid of Tomlin rant. Uh, the reality is they're in a much different situation than they were. Um, people say all the time, well, you know, they, they barely ever hire. They, they, they're not firing or hiring coaches very often. Yes, but they, they still do. And I, <laughs> many other coaches in the league, they, you could see right now they were not going to have a job. Brandon Staley during the, the Chargers game mm-hmm. where literally everybody on the field was, you know, more or less playing like they, they had some type of, of illness, uh, he got fired the next day. And it wasn't surprising to anybody. We pre-wrote the story of him getting fired. That's how obvious it was. Uh, if Mike Tomlin was not Mike Tomlin, there is no way in the world anybody would think he'd have a job after the season. Right. So I, I don't know exactly what that's worth. I don't know if that's the right solution, but something isn't working here, and something significant needs to be done. Uh, George Pickens cannot get Mike Tomlin fired. Deontay Johnson cannot get Mike Tomlin fired. But mm-hmm. is this going to spread? You know, he's got three games left, and in my opinion now, there's no other way to approach it other than he's coaching for his job. And Mm -hmm. that's reasonable. You can't have what what you had on the field. And it it seems to be continuing. If it was just a one-time thing for Johnson, as frustrating as that is, as in my opinion, you know, uh, uh, fatal as it is for Johnson on the Steelers, if the rest of the team sees that and knows that's an example of What's unacceptable on this team? Okay, you sent the message. It's an isolated incident. Now it's happened twice. Now, what are you going to say to me that's going to convince me that you have this under control? That this is not going to be a, a continued problem. That this is. I'm, I'm. I swear, I'm not trying to be dramatic about it, but hmm. this goes beyond even losing the game. This is just. It's. It, it's an insult to your team. Yeah. You can't keep somebody like that. You just can't. So what are you going to do about it? Why is this any different? And why should I trust that it's not going to continue to happen? If you can't stop it, it will continue. And that, that's basic management. That's basic leadership. Um, one, and, and unfortunately, you have to call that out now. You have to wonder. And, Neil, there's one other element to it. Right? This is not, and I say this with all due respect, it is not the Los Angeles fan base, okay, where they show up maybe a little later, leave a little earlier, they have expectations too, but this is the Pittsburgh fan base. I mean, yeah, they're white collar in there, but there's a lot of blue collar in there, and they don't appreciate for one second anything that is less than somebody's best. I mean, I mean, this—it's a blue collar city. And just talking to the people that I've talked to, a, a lot of it really is the representation of what the team is. And I, I know that that's you know typically used as more of a a rah rah type of thing, but the, the reality is the people of Pittsburgh, and I'm not saying this in reference to anybody else, but the people in Pittsburgh, um, they're they're the fan base is loyal to the team, and they expect things to be done a certain way. Now, are they usually unhappy with the way things are being done? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they're fans. But it, it is a part of their DNA. It's a part of their culture. It goes way above and beyond simple things. It, it's, it's, in, it's inbred in them. So to suggest something like this is not going to be, you know, worried about or stressed over is a real problem. It's going to get way beyond 
uh, just George Pickens, the player. And to, to be fair, for those who know, wide receiver position is one of the most fungible in the NFL, maybe second behind running back. There are a lot of really good college receivers nowadays. You and I have yes. talked about this a bunch. I remember when uh, watching Odell Beckham in college. I'm not exactly experienced. But I was like, that's the best college wide receiver I've ever seen. I mean, he was advanced. He could do everything. There's probably five of him every year now. And there, there are 12 of them that you could take in the first two rounds. George Pickens was like that. Yeah. And he's a talented player, but he's not improving. His attitude is beyond a distraction. It's to the point that this is my third radio spot, and this is the only thing really to talk about. And this yeah. team changed quarterbacks as a coach that's about to get fired. Presumably, people think that that's the case. In kind of a playoff push, and they have no safeties playing this weekend because their safety, who's been uh, uh, fined five times for unnecessary roughness, got thrown out and suspended for the rest of the year. None of these are talking points surrounding this team right now. <laughs> That's right. how big of a distraction this is. And and I don't know if we really grasp the full uh, uh, magnitude of it, but I, I think this is going to be a bigger deal this offseason than people are thinking that it is right now. Which then brings me to the KZ play. Uh in real time, it's bang bang. When I looked at it, yeah, is it a is it a brutal hit? Sure, but he led with his shoulder. At least that's what I thought. And he ends up being suspended for the season. I realized that he had five on the other unnecessary roughness penalties. What was your thought? A on the hit on Michael Pittman, Pittman, and then the uh, resulting uh, suspension. And the thing of it is, um, with these, we have a tendency that we want to digest it all immediately as one thing. Uh, this is a chain reaction. Um, yeah. it, it's a hospital ball from Minshew. Just a terrible pass to the point where I'm sure yes. Minshew has apologized to him for it. Right. Um, you, as, as Tom Brady made it adamantly clear, it was a terrible throw. And it was. <laughs> um, it, it, that doesn't come without consequence, but that consequence can't be you know, your, your receiver getting folded over by the defensive player. Um, you're right. He did lead with his shoulder, but the rule is you can't hit a defenseless receiver in the head and neck area. It doesn't matter what you hit him with. Um, the, the thing that gets me more than anything is you couldn't define defenseless receiver better than Michael Pittman in that situation. I mean, he right. couldn't protect himself in any way. Um, can Casey get to the ball without doing what he did? It, I don't know. What I know is this. The NFL has been um, the, the subject of litigation for the better part of two decades That's in right. regards to player safety, player health. That's right. If you watch that play, frame by frame or in full speed, fast forward even, however you want to watch it, can you sit there at the 10,000-foot level and say – that's okay in the game that is being sued constantly for not being safe enough for people. Right. From a legal perspective, from an organizational perspective, there is no way you can allow that. You just can't. It, 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 the game is bigger than, than DeMonte Casey's ability to get to a football, you know, the week 14 game. Okay. <laughs> just they, They're not going to bend around that. Uh, and on top of that, right or wrong, fair and different, they've been calling this for the last 11 years. Okay, we, we probably should be used to it by now. Um, my knee-jerk reaction was, and I tweeted this, he's going to get tossed, and he's probably going to get suspended. Not at all surprised. I right. think they'll appeal. I think they'll bring it down a little bit. Just, you know, they, they want to throw the highest high penalty out. 
sure. uh, right away because they know they're going to uh, uh, they're going to appeal and they're going to try to bring that down and make it look like they're trying to work with the player or whatever. But at the same time, like, dude, you've been fine for this five times this year. Okay, yeah, right. at some point the hammer is going to come down and that's what i mean it's not because of the hit that he suspended it's the hit mm-hmm. plus the five other times right. they've that's tried right. to get through to him that you can't play the game this way and i i don't know what to tell you unless he's the least lucky person in the world to my okay. knowledge minka fitzpatrick who has more tackles per game than casey does hasn't been fined for anything yet this year so it, yeah. it, it, there comes a point that you have to say the game is possible to be played at a successful level without folding guys over, <laughs> taking right. shoulder shots oh. directly to their head when they're completely stretched out. You, you can't do that. I, you know, I, I understand fans are upset, but the NFL is pretty clear that that's just simply not allowed. Do you let him catch it? No, but you can probably try to go for the ball. You can try to jar it loose. You can even, I don't know, get lower and try to hit him in the chest, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, I'm not his coach. What I know is he's been fined several times for this. That play wasn't going to swing the game either way, and what he did is incredibly dangerous. Right. And again, why is the rule in place? The rule's in place because they're trying to save the game. I mean, that's what they're trying right. to do. I mean, you circle. I mean, that's part of circling the wagon, saying, "Hey, look, we want football to stay alive, so look, we're going to put these kind of rules in place." So, this hey, is the thing we have to do. Right, Neil. Uh, to you and your great family, happy holidays. Appreciate you so much. And believe it or not, if you're available, we'll talk Tuesday. Hey, I'll be here for sure. Good. Favorite part of the week. You guys have a you guys have a happy holiday as well. Always great. Um, love doing this. Glad to be here and glad you guys want me back. Yeah, you're the best. Thanks, Neil. Neil Kulong joining us. SI.com. We will come back more in a moment as we continue. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in. Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Now that is great new inventory. All with great warranties. They sell the best. And brand new car, why don't you start 2024 with a brand new car? That would be something else, huh? And Maybe the now when I buy, I've now transitioned where I really want to buy new. In part because of the warranty, and in part because hey, look, you feel like hey, something is brand new. But the budget may be saying, hey, look, I know you want new, but you're gonna have to get pre-owned inventory. Okay. Well, if that's the case, go someplace that has the Sunbury Motors guarantee. They go over every vehicle. It makes the buying experience exponentially easier and more comforting. And a great service department that backs it all up every step of the way. Routine, difficult, 
And when you go to trade in, by the way, for your next SMC vehicle, uh, guess what? Because it was taken care of by the service department at Sunbury Motors, in great shape. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, here on signing day, no drama. Maybe a little drama in a couple of other places along the way. That's fine. That happens. Um, but at the same time, uh, a lack of drama, I mean, shows everything. You know, when there's a lack of drama, it tells you a lot about everything that was thrown into a recruiting class. And this is a top 12 recruiting class by all accounts. And the and that that tells you the groundwork that was laid, how they followed through. It makes a big difference. A big, big difference. Um And this, you know, they have a they have a quarterback, a running back. They have a, you know a lot of things that everybody wants to have in a recruiting class. They were able to take care of a lot of linemen, linebackers, DBs. It really is a well balanced class, and that makes a big difference. That kind of when I have Ryan Snyder on, I talk about positional balance. Because you're trying to replenish each area. I mean, recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. And you're trying to, you know, when you're recruiting, that's why I talk about positional balance. When it's the lifeblood of your program or any program, it can't be exponentially heavy in one area and light on others. And... To me, that's what they were able to do with this. The positional balance is strong across the board. That makes a big difference. Um, So that's where they are. The late signing period, which used to be the signing period, is now in so many ways an afterthought, but it should be pointed out Somebody brought up the late signing period to me today, and I said, yeah, but I said, remember, Venga Yowani came out of that a couple of years ago. Yep, they said, good point. You can find and mine gold in the late signing period when it's one or two guys and it's selective. I mean, some people want to wait. Uh, So that is uh, what's been uh, what took place today. Yeah. And and again, the energy being there, I think getting both coordinators on board before this happened was really important. It's just that last piece put into play. Uh, and the reason uh, that's important is that just in case. Somebody had a question like, okay, who's my, you know, in this case, for example, let's take Tom Allen. He's going to coach the linebackers. Just in case you're a linebacker, like, I just want to make sure who's going to coach me. 
defensive player overall, okay, yeah, okay. Right? Same thing in offense to get uh, Coach K on board. Um, I thought that to get the coordinators on board before signing day was an important element. And that's that goes to the organization that James has in thinking ahead. And he thinks ahead. Uh, there was one person, I'm trying to think, one recruit today. It's family. Family was talking about this. I think it may have been Peter Gonzalez. Like he says, early on, he says, the organization early on was phenomenal in terms of how well it was organized in his recruitment. And that made a real impression, especially considering the father played college football. It made a big impression. You have to be that kind of organized, that kind of go-getting group. And they are, because they understand it's the lifeblood. And this is a program that believes deeply in player development. They will use the transfer portal, and that's the next part. They are going to get um, more and more. uh, They're going to get a few more out of the transfer portal. But that's the second part. That's the next part. Uh, We talked with David Kellum of Ole Miss in the 1.30 half hour. And 21 of the top 25 on defense are transfer portal guys. Now, on offense, I think it would be about 14 of the top 25, 26 on offense are transfer portal guys. But the top three quarterbacks are all portal guys. Jackson Dart, USC. Um, Sanders from Oklahoma State. Not many teams have a guy with 70 touchdown passes as their backup, 70 career touchdown passes. And the third-string quarterback, I believe, is from LSU. And sometimes you're put in that spot, and um, and you are put in that spot because of changeover, Coach Lee's, whatever the reason happens to be. Um, And so, you know, I mean, look at Penn State basketball. I know it's not a football example, but Penn State basketball, when Micah took the Notre Dame job, Elkebajai ended up going there. The the three-person recruiting class ended up going there. Other guys then transferred out. Plus, they already had guys leaving anyway because... Their eligibility was up and graduated. So Mike Rhodes walks in. He has, looks around the room. There weren't a lot of people to talk to. There were three guys. Three guys. So you have to hit the portal at that point. 
And in Lane Kiffin's case, I'm not going to sit here and pretend all the circumstances and what they happened to be when he took over at Ole Miss. But he probably thought the fastest path to get them on track was to use the portal. Now, moving forward, what does it, you know, you know how will he recruit? Will he recruit a lot more four or five year guys? I, that I don't know because I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have a deep understanding on everything going on with the Ole Miss football program. I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on with this team. I've watched enough tape and done chart work and things like that, and I, I think you could tell by the questions I asked of David Kellum the handle Jack and I both have on Ole Miss uh, 10 days out from the game. But in terms of circumstances when Lane walked in, what he had to do when he took over after he left, what, Florida Atlantic, that I couldn't speak to unless I sat down and did a deep dive into it. And, I, you know, and I'm probably not going to do a deep dive into it for the simple reason that I'm really locked in on this Ole Miss team. How they got there, eh, not going to really think about it. Um, so the bottom line is they have a lot of guys that transferred in. I mean, older players that have a track record. Penn State's more selective about transfers. The portal is going to be critical for Penn State coming up because the selective spots that they're looking to fill have a chance to make the team a lot better. And Penn State has some spots they have to fill in the transfer portal. And based on the the names of the players that you see that are considering Penn State, they all have the ability to make Penn State better. And I think you've all seen all the names across the board as to players that are considering Penn State um, in the portal. And I think Ryan Snyder made a great point the other day about the portal when it came to people not talking about their potential destinations. He said it used to be early in the portal when Portal first started, that like a recruiting deal, hey, great to receive an offer from and name five schools. Just like the old, like, just like recruiting. Now, uh, many of them are really close to the vest because that era of mystery probably helps them out in some way. That's fine. I think you have to you have to do it your own way. But are there guys in the transfer portal that Penn State does need to hit that absolutely, in my opinion, will help Penn State? No question. No question. And now the next step is having those names commit. take a break we'll finish it out tomorrow mark brennan at 110 nate bauer at 135 
Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I mean, I know the more th- uh, times change, uh, people wonder whether some of the old standards fit. And I can tell you that in listening to parents of players, yes, they all have aspirations, every one of them, that, hey, you know, and, and the young person have aspirations of going to the next level, and this is the next important step to getting there. I, everybody understands that. That's always the way it's been. Always, But when you listen to the young people and their parents and the people around them talk about how important it was for them to be a part of a program that emphasizes academics, get a degree, and then the football element, the family element, it wasn't all football, football, football today. Family was talked about. Communication was talked about. Academics was talked about. Hard work was talked about. Discipline was talked about. It was the total package, and family, above all, was talked about. And that, to me, all of those elements... Yes, NIL is important. No question NIL is important. It's critical. Okay? And uh, there's just no getting around it. But there are other elements, too, that go with that that are still emphasized and important. And that came out today. James Franklin talked repeatedly Uh, about the communication part, about the family aspect, about the academic aspect, everything. In the end, maybe 3 to 5%, 100%, 100% think that they've got a real shot. And I, I'm sitting there saying, hey, go for it because you never know. All of you should feel that way. At the same time, the other parts are emphasized because in the end, three to five percent may get get there and the other 95 percent might not. But it's a program that today emphasized that you can get to the league by coming here. You can get your degree by coming here. You can be part of a family by coming here. And that's what struck me as I stood there for about five hours doing this this morning from uh, 7 in the morning till about noon. Tomorrow, Mark Brennan, 247 Sports. He's at 110. Nate Bauer on 3.com, 135.